Podcast pals from WHYY and BillyPenn.com. It is hitting season, and boy, is it ever. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, the Phillies offense is on a roll. Of course, it's June, so we knew that that was going to happen. But through the first two games of their series in Arizona and really going back uh, to the end of the, la- of the last series against the Tigers, the Phillies offense looking like we thought it would at the start of the season. We'll get into some of the numbers here in just a minute. We're going to talk about the number five star issue with this team. I'm going to have Good Fight writer writer Joe Ettinger on the show with me here in just a few minutes. We'll talk about the Mets and the mess that they are right now, and we'll give you an update on the All-Star voting. And the Phillies bringing back a classic here in 2023 to help improve the vibes. Also, just a couple of mailbag quickies. So lots to get to here on this episode of the podcast, plus your stat of the week, which will feature the JT Real Muto cycle that we saw in the first game of the series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So a show a show just chock full of goodness here. And we're going to talk about the offense to get things going uh, as the Phillies uh, enter their game against the Diamondbacks on Wednesday uh, eight and four in the month of June with a plus 21 run differential. Of course, by the time you hear this podcast, Thursday's game will have played, uh, pardon me, uh, Wednesday's game will have played. So uh, those numbers will look a little bit different. But in 12 games so far this month, they are uh, they have 71 runs scored, which is the most in baseball. That's 5.9 runs per game so far this month. Only the Diamondbacks, the team that they're playing here this week at 6.0 is averaging more runs per game here in the month of June. The reason the power has returned 16 home runs so far this month, which is tied for sixth in Major League Baseball in June, and their 845 OPS as a team is second in the majors behind only the Atlanta Braves 858. They scored 15 runs and knocked 20 hits all over the place in their 15-3 win on Tuesday and just barely lost 9-8 on Monday. They came within a couple of feet of a Cody Clemens two-run home run that would have pulled out a 10-9 win, most likely, or at least would have sent the game into the bottom of the ninth with the Phillies leading 10-9. And the heroes are up and down the lineup. Chief among them, Nick Castellanos, who continues to smash the ball. He has an 1177 OPS this month. JT Realmuto, again, who hit for the cycle in the first game of the series, right behind him at 1026. But, uh, Bryson Stott uh, hit a leadoff triple in the second inning in this game here against uh, the Diamondbacks on Wednesday night. He has an OPS of 945. Kyle Schwarber, Mr. June at 974. And Trey Turner, 877 so far here in the month of June. And this is all happening as Bryce Harper's power has not really come along. He's slugging just 356 this month, but still this month has an on-base percentage of 370, so providing value in some other ways and still hitting the ball really hard, just not barreling balls up as of yet. He will. No one's worried about that. He will. It might not be quite the big, quite the power season from Bryce Harper as he came back again two months early from that elbow injury. And so they're going to need to rely on guys like Schwarber, who has five home runs this month. We have not seen the kill crazy rampage from Kyle Schwarber just yet uh, that we have seen in June's past, but he certainly has heated up and now hitting back at the top of the lineup. The right-handed bats are finally hitting. 
they had re- they had really been pulling the team down, especially against left-handed pitchers. But they have been making hay against some lefties, and that's because we have seen Castiano and JT and Trey Turner start to light things up from the right side of the plate. Three home runs each from Castiano and JT Real Muto in June, two from Trey Turner thus far, both in the same game. Nick Castellanos and Bryson Stott both entered Wednesday as the only teammates in the majors currently hitting 300 or better with enough at-bats to qualify. Castellanos is second in Major League Baseball with 23 doubles. Freddie Freeman has 24. And... I wrote a piece uh, for The Good Fight this week about Nick Castellanos and the remarkable turnaround that he has had uh, coming into this series against the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, just wailing the ball. And he's doing it because he's really hitting fastballs a whole lot better. That's one of the big reasons. Uh, if you look at StatCast has something called run value per 100 plate appearances and then a total run value overall. How many additional runs extra a player has been worth on a certain pitch? Okay, it's kind of a fun, it just basically gives you an indication of how players are performing against certain pitches. Nick Castellanos leads all of, is tied for for first in, in all of Major League Baseball in terms of run value per 100 plate appearances against four-seam fastballs so far this year. So he has been among the best hitters in baseball against fastballs. But you want to know the really, really surprising number is that he has been among the best hitters in baseball against sliders this season. Remember, last year, he was a nightmare with sliders. He was a negative 1.2 run value, uh, run value per 100 plate appearances. That ranked 270th out of 287 players at a negative seven run value. Now, we all remember how often he chased that low and away slider off the plate for strikes last year. It was maddening. This year, he has been worth eight runs above average. In terms of, in terms of uh, pitch, in terms of uh, hitting against sliders, three point one runs value per one hundred uh, per one hundred plate appearances is second best behind only Marcus Simeon, who might be the American League MVP. So you know you don't really need to you know these stats are are kind of in the weeds, and I get it if like you're not like really well versed in in run value and all that kind of stuff, but it's a stat cast number that really does take a look at how players do against against uh, uh, certain pitches. And like, just say against sliders this year, Nick Castellanos is hitting 328 with a 701 slugging percentage. Okay, Th- those are numbers <laughs> that maybe everybody uh, can understand. It has a 40.9% hard hit percentage on sliders. It's just a, world's, a, a world of difference from where he was against that pitch last year. So I don't know why why Castellanos has improved so much. I mean, we've we've heard uh, there was a, a really good piece by um, I think it was uh, Stephanie Epstein uh, for for a CNN for CNN SI. I guess it's not CNN SI. It's just Sports Illustrated now. That's old school, right? CNN SI. How long have they not been CNN SI? It's been years, right? Um, so anyway, but he just Nick Castellanos once again talked this week about an improved mental state as being one of the biggest reasons why he's doing so much better in the field, for one thing. He was talking mostly about uh, fielding and how he's been able to be more zoned in and how the playoffs really last year helped him to have a more relaxed mindset. But I think that probably is also carrying over to the plate. He's able to focus a little bit better. He's a little bit more comfortable. And he really did say he struggled last year in staying focused on baseball in the regular season and not being focused on his what's going on at home and in home life and all that. But I will also say... He hit a home run against the Diamondbacks. Oh, no, pardon me. It was in the series against the Tigers. A low and away, um, 
don't know if it was a fastball or a changeup, but he went out and golfed it out to dead center field. That is a pitch that over and over again last few, last year he would have just dropped into left center field. There's something different going on, and I don't know whether it's he's feeling better, he's he's more comfortable mentally, physically, whatever it is. But the Phillies will certainly will certainly take it, uh, and he continues to mash the ball all over the ballpark. I, I think he I think he really is this team's best player this year, and probably their their only All Star deserving all-star, but I'm going to talk more about that with Joe Edinger coming up here uh, in just a couple of minutes too. All right. Um, the offense has been cooking as we've been talking about here on the podcast, but one of the issues this team does have right now with no real solution in sight, as far as anybody can tell, is what to do with the number five starter. And joining me to talk about it because he wrote a very good piece for The Good Fight this week about it is Joe Edinger. Uh, he's a writer for The Good Fight, and you can follow him on Twitter at Joe underscore Edinger. We're going to talk about the number five starter. We're going to talk about the rotation and the fills as a whole as uh, they're getting ready. As we're recording this, they're getting ready to play game number three out in Arizona. Joe, Thanks for coming on Hitting Season. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. How about you? Doing really good. Doing really good. I'm always doing better when you know, uh, when we're dancing on our own. You know, when the <laughs> when the vibe when the vibes are flying. And just before we get into like the the, the nitty gritty and the nuts and bolts, like what what's your take on the fact that the Phillies brought back their anthem from from 2022? I, the they guess they needed a vibes change. I'm totally on board with what Garrett Stubbs said today when he said, "Yeah, it's a second place song, but second place looks pretty good right now." So. Yeah, because at the time they were in fourth and, you know, they're still in third. They're not quite in second yet because the Marlins are doing some voodoo magic with mirrors and whatnot here so far in the early part of the season. But um, I think we're seeing this team once again as the calendar flips to June round into shape. I talked about some of the offensive performances earlier in the show. The starting pitching, though, has really been the key. You've gotten some consistent starting pitching from Zach Wheeler and Taiwan Walker and Ranger Suarez. Aaron Nola has not pitched very well. We'll get to him in just a second. But the the big thing has been the number five starter. And in the first game of the series against Arizona, there's really no way they should have lost that game. They had a five to one lead as the middle innings approached, but the bullpen just couldn't hold it. Dylan Covey couldn't hold it, and he's been truly terrible so far since since joining the Phillies. Um, you know they. They looked at a couple other, you know, they had a couple other different guys come in there, um, and, and none of them could could hold down the fort in that game. And so you lost a game. You lost that first game of the, of the series because you were trying to get through with another bullpen game. And the Phillies are 2-10 and ten in games started by the fifth starter spot in the rotation. So you kind of took us back through the timeline starting at the beginning of the season because we, we at one point, Joe, felt like we really had a lot of depth and a lot of options with the number five starter, didn't we? Sure, yeah. I wrote in the article, you could have argued that they had some of the best pitching depth in, in the league to start the year. Now, of course, that was on paper and things changed, but you look at it, nobody said they're handing Andrew Painter the job, but everybody kind of knew they're handing Andrew Painter the job. Yeah, they were handing Andrew spot. Painter the job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in that case, you then have Bailey Falter, who in from July on last year had a 366 ERA. And was huge for this team when Zach Wheeler was injured in the second half of the season. You yep. had that guy as your sixth starting pitcher in the bullpen. So then, like other teams around the league, other free agents and other uh, veteran players looking for a spot, looked at this and said, well, there's there's no spot there. Why would I bother going there? They're already six deep. And then you have Nick Nelson, also in the bullpen, who gave them good innings last year. Mm-hmm. You could have argued they were seven deep to start the year. Yeah, But then... You know, as it happens, half of them got hurt and the other half have been bad. 
<laughs> Tale as old as time, right? I mean, that's just kind of that. That's definitely some of the things that we've seen uh, from Phillies teams in in the years past. But I, the big thing for me is is Bailey Falter because I was mm-hmm. not stressing out when Andrew Painter got hurt because when exactly. when the when the when the season started, there wasn't really a clear plan for how you were going to use Andrew Painter the whole season. He he only had thrown about 40-some-odd innings last year. There's no way you're ramping him up and making him a 100— No, it was, it was more like 80-some innings. I'm sorry. I, I severely undersold him there. Even so, a jump to 130, 140 innings, I think was about as much as you could reasonably think would happen. And the season is a long season. If you want to have him as your number five starter throughout the season, they were going to have to get creative one way or the other— anyway with Andrew Painter in order to keep him throughout the course of the season, keep him healthy, keep him fresh and all that stuff. So I really thought that I really thought Bailey Falter was going to be able to continue to do what he did in the second half last year. What what has been going on with him? I think velocity is is probably the biggest the biggest issue with him, right? He's just he's just not throwing hard enough. Yeah, really. I mean, he already doesn't throw hard. He averages like 90, 91. But this year, he's averaging almost a full two miles an hour slower than that, which, I mean, he was barely scraping by with what he had. You'd knock off another two miles per hour off that, and it's almost batting practice for the hitters in the league today. You just It's hard to survive as a pitcher throwing 88 miles an hour. It truly is, and not only that, he was walking guys and with bad location, and he doesn't have that secondary stuff that you can live with a with a bad fastball. And so Bailey Falter, they were they were considering bringing him up, but he had another struggle in in Lehigh Valley in in his last outing. I mean, I think Alex Coffey reported in the Inquirer that the Phillies were considering bringing him back up, having him throw a short start so he could be ready in case they needed him on Saturday in Oakland, but he didn't he didn't make it past one and a third innings. Gave up four hits, four earned runs, one walk and three home runs allowed without getting through the second inning. His velocity was around 90 miles an hour on average. So, you know, they're they're trying to figure out these bullpen games, but how much longer can they continue to do bullpen games like this? And, and you know, Matt Strom was really good early in the season, but he, he's been a little bit less effective over these last few weeks. I mean, he was giving them five innings early on. Now it seems like he can give them two, is having trouble giving them three, and it seems as though they just kind of want to use all the all the back end of the bullpen guys in these bullpen games instead of using Alvarado maybe in the fourth and fifth inning. I know I know he's your late inning guy, but maybe you use Sir Anthony a little bit earlier to kind of get you through a rough patch in the lineup. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, I know in Monday night's game, it might have been better to use um, Alvarado, for like example, instead of Ortiz. But the other problem was Marte and... The other relievers outside of Covey have pitched well recently, so yeah. you can see why it's like okay, we'll try and squeeze some innings out of these guys instead, and we'll try and yeah. save the the better guys. Yeah, Andrew and like Vasquez said, has been really good. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Matt Strom, he he saved he saved their their butt early in the season when, yes. when Ranger was down and the fifth starter being a mess, but he's already surpassed the innings he threw last year, mm-hmm. and he's almost halfway to the total innings he's thrown since 2020. So it was always kind of a matter of time before he started to regress or get injured. Except it's just coming sooner than you would like because they originally signed him as a reliever and he's been forced to pitch in a rotation, albeit he was good. But now you're starting to see the effects of that lack of a workload coming in. Yeah, and I think that was everybody who who was calling for him to to stay in the rotation needed to remember. he's. I was confusing him with Andrew Painter. He's the guy who only has pitched like 
a combined 45 innings the last three years. So you really have to kind of be careful there. So you, you also mentioned your story. The Phillies are not the only team dealing with this issue, as we have seen with very good teams in recent series, right? Yeah, so just take Dodgers series last weekend, for example. They threw two bullpen games at the Phillies. The Phillies won both of them. And the Dodgers are known as a pitching factory. It seems like every year they have a top prospect that comes up and dominates the league. Uh, look at Urias. They have Bobby Miller just dominate the Phillies last weekend. And they have the third best record in the National League. The Braves started at two guys who you've never heard of, and one's already been demoted, and the other has a 5 ERA. Yeah. It's, it's just an <laughs> epidemic around baseball that they're just simply isn't enough starting pitching for f every team to have five competent pitchers, it seems like. And maybe that's a byproduct of everybody throwing harder, and therefore there's more injuries. I don't know quite exactly what it is, but it's not an excuse saying it for the Phillies, but it's just a, you have to take a look at the league and say, well, it's not exactly just the them problem. It's an everybody mm -hmm. problem that nobody's really solved yet. Right. And, and with the Phillies, you know, guys, they have some guys available. Christopher Sanchez and Michael Plassmeyer were both guys who they considered as, as potential major league guys. And they, they just have struggled in AAA. They've just they have not been productive. And, you know, Griff McGarry now seems to be on the way back from he seems healthier now, but he's not stretched out. Although I do think if they're going to get any more minor league assistance, Griff McGarry would probably be the guy. Mick Abel's just been a little bit too inconsistent. But yeah. But you also mentioned in your story, too, we're, we're still I mean, I, we're getting closer to trade season. But we're still not quite there yet. It's only June 14th as, as we are recording this. And it's not like you said. It's not like there are a ton of teams with pitching to trade that want to trade it. Like, there, there's just not a whole lot else out there. And the price is going to be really high because of that. Yeah, and even, we you know, with the extra wild card, we, we saw this last year in the first year of the extra wild card. There's a lot less teams that you can clearly pick out and say, oh, that team is selling. That team's mm -hmm. selling. That team's definitely selling. Because there's teams that are maybe below 500, that are going to look and go, well, we're not that far out. Well, we can wait another couple weeks or so before yeah. we decide. So as of right now, like I, I mentioned in the story, would you want to give up two top ten prospects for Kyle Freeland, Chase Anderson, or Trevor Williams? I absolutely wouldn't because yeah. that's, that's, that's what you're looking at right now if you wanted to solve the problem right now. Yeah. And that's not a real solution. That, that's that's exactly. a problem. That's a problem. That's a solution in search of it. For, well, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's it's not a solution. It's 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 just kind of more hope is a tactic there. Uh, yeah. And so, what do they do now? I mean, they they just can. I, I imagine they just keep doing what they're doing. They they uh, sent Junior Marte down to AAA because they want to build him up to be a bulk inning guy. Now that's going to make him less effective. Uh, his his stuff will probably play down if they try to do that. They've brought up Luis Ortiz from the minors, uh, but did not DFA Dylan Covey. Dylan Covey is still on the Phillies, and really the only answer, Joe, that I can think of is that. He is a guy who can pitch multiple innings. Now, those innings aren't good. Yeah. He has a 9 ERA, ERA through 10 innings for the Phillies this year. He's allowed two earned runs in three of the five outings he's pitched for the Phillies so far. Nevertheless, he's, he, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to do bullpen games, you do need guys who can go multiple innings here. Do you agree with the move? Uh, I, I would have probably cycled him out for Sanchez and try him in the bulk inning role. Basically, mm -hmm. their only choice until trade season really picks up and we get closer to the deadline is just keep cycling guys in and out and hope yeah. something works or you yeah. can just get at least a month's worth of competent starting pitchers from the Christopher Sanchez's or the Bailey Falters or the Nick Nelson's of the world because it doesn't look like McGarry's going to be an option anytime soon either so really you, you kind of just got to try and patch it together again for at least another month 
it would be great if one of those young guys can really kind of emerge in, in double A AA or triple A, at least, you know, somebody mm-hmm. to get excited about too. You know, there's just, there's no excitement if you're bringing up Michael Plasmeyer yeah. or Chris Sanchez or bringing Bailey Falter back. Like there's no juice to any of those moves. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it would be really great if Mick Abel started mowing some guys down or Griff McGarry started just rolling through dudes. Yeah. And I, you know, I get why they want to be, want to be careful with these guys mm-hmm. because, you know, you just have to be careful with young pitchers, but like, if McGarry, if you think McGarry can give you three to four ish quality MLB innings, I would be willing mm-hmm. to try that right now because I know that's probably better than Dylan Covey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, real quick before I let you go, um, let me get your let me get your thoughts on on the offense and, you know, who is this team's? Well, let me ask you this: instead of just specifically about the offense, who are the team's all stars? Do you think like who who is deserving of an all star nod right now? I would believe it would be a crime if Nick Castellanos is not in the All-Star game right now with, mm-hmm. with how well he's been hitting. I mean, it's night and day from last season. He has a ton of extra base hits. He's back to being the guy that they thought they were getting when they signed. Uh, I've been saying for a while, I, I think Bryson Stott should maybe get a little more consideration than he is because second mm. base is a typically weak position outside of a rise this year who's just hitting 600. So, And then maybe if Alvarado didn't get hurt, Alvarado's probably in there. Um, for offensively, yeah, I think it's really just Stott and and Castellanos. You, you can maybe make an argument for Marsh, but he's cooled off recently, and it's going to be hard to get in as an outfielder. Yeah, I think two or three weeks ago, I would have had maybe Marsh in over Castellanos. Um, I know Mike Petriello from MLD.com had Marsh over Castellanos. I think that narrative is absolutely flipped now, and Castellanos. Yeah. In my opinion, I think Castellanos is really the only player on the roster really deserving of an all-star nod i i feel like some guys are all-stars you know trey turner is an all-star player for Mm -hmm. sure bryce harper is an all-star player for sure zach wheeler is an all-star player no doubt about it they just haven't had all-star seasons you know they they and i think that's part of the deal you know they they, jt rail muto a perennial all-star has not had an all-star season kyle schwarber is hit you know led the national league in home runs you could call him an all-star type player but he's no way he's going to the all-star game uh aaron nola typically is an all-star player no way he's going to the all-star game so i think the roster is loaded with all-stars but only one player i think and i think jose alvarado would have been a shoe in if he hadn't gotten hurt we'll see if he continues his his season and maybe he can work his way back into the conversation but really i think just just one guy has played at an all-star level. I hear what you're saying about Bryson Stott. I think he needs to get the average up a little bit higher, the on-base up a little bit higher, the Mm, defensive numbers a little bit better in order to kind of move ahead of the pack. But it is a weaker position this year. A lot of the really good shortstops like Francisco Lindor, like Trey Turner, have struggled. Dansby Swanson's really uh, among the the elite shortstops, really one of the few that are are kind of hanging in there and, and playing that way. Yeah, and I wouldn't argue with with you saying it should only be Castellanos, but I'm also because you know, as you know, that the All Star voting has a lot to do with reputation too. Mm-hmm. I thought yes. Muto would just get a reputation boost and be higher in the voting than than he currently is, and that, that's probably why Harper is where he is. Even though Bryce Harper hasn't been bad, he's been, actually been quite good, but he hasn't been quite himself just yet. That the power numbers aren't quite there yet. So, but he's getting in on a rep vote too. Yeah, yeah, and I'm here's what I'm saying. Like, I I think more than one player will get in, especially mm-hmm. since Rob yeah, Thompson's yeah. the manager. 
that helps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think... him pitching, him picking the pitching staff will certainly help. <laughs> Zach Wheeler, I think, will get in. Yeah, uh, I'm just not sure it's it's necessarily he's he's deserving. But again, still a lot of time left here before the All Star game to sure. to buff up those numbers. Well, folks, make sure you check out Joe's piece at the Good Fight if you haven't already. Uh, Thegoodfight.com. I mean, you, you I'm sure you all there are there on a daily basis. But also follow everything he's writing for us at Joe underscore Edinger on the Twitter machine. Joe, hey, it was good talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on hit season i really appreciate it thank you very much it was a pleasure to be here all right i do just want to mention a couple of quick injury updates and this does have to do with the with what could potentially be happening uh down the line andrew painter did throw about 20 pitches off a mound this week uh, the phillies say he will do it again later in the week and rule five pick noah song remember back him he's been on the injured list with a lower back strain he threw two innings in a simulated game on tuesday thompson said that it went well and that song will throw two more innings on thursday he said that song is getting pretty close to a rehab assignment now i'm not sure how long the rehab assignment can be but remember as a rule five pick the phillies have to keep him on their active roster the entire season or offer him back to the boston red sox now we were saying this at a time when the Phillies appeared to have a bullpen that was completely locked down, but Connor Brogdon and Andrew Bellotti are both pitching in AAA right now. Uh, you've got some shuffling going on here on the bullpen. So suddenly, and this is probably something that shouldn't have come as a surprise or a shock to anybody, uh, there does seem to be a little bit more fluidity in the bullpen. So if Noah Song, during a rehab assignment, looks electric, looks like the guy that Dave Dombrowski thought he might get if he when he when he signed him uh, when he drafted him first initially out of college and um, or drafted him out of the Navy, I guess, when he was playing, when he was pitching for Navy and, uh, and, and selected him with the rule five draft, you know, uh, maybe he's a guy who can stick for the entire season, but uh, I, I think the leash will be short. And I still think it's it, the, the odds are, are better that he ends up going back to the Boston organization. Um, or if he does have another injury or whatever, then I guess that can be, a way to keep him, but you certainly don't want him to get injured. So anyway, some interesting machinations there uh, with some of these young guys getting getting healthier. Um, we did get our first look at all-star voting this season. Uh, and right now the Phillies are just, you know, they've been they've been down this year and a lot of their really good players that you just heard me talking about with Joe are not having great seasons. Uh, there is really only one Philly who is in the conversation uh, as 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 being a potential all-star, but there's nobody who would be a starter right now or who would be guaranteed to be on the team. That's Nick Castellanos. He's currently ninth among National League outfielders in the voting right now. Cody Bellinger, Michael Harris, second. Fernando Tatis, Corbin Carroll, Juan Soto, Lord Gurriel Jr., Mookie Betts, and Ronald Acuna Jr. all ahead of him among outfielders. Brandon Marsh currently ranks 18th uh, among outfielders. Kyle Schorber ranks 16th among National League outfielders. Looking at designated hitters, uh, Bryce Harper, actually, I'm sorry, he's second in the voting right now, so he would be uh, an automatic entry to the National League All-Star team behind J.D. Martinez, but he's not far behind J.D. Martinez. I could easily see Bryce Harper passing J.D. at some point here uh, during the course of this voting. Looking at catchers, J.T. Realmuto, who would normally be a shoe-in, is fifth behind Francisco Alvarez of the Mets, uh, Elias Diaz of the Rockies, Will Smith of the Dodgers, and Sean Murphy of the Braves. No, no doubt Sean Murphy deserves to start as the National League catcher. He might be one of the front runners for National League MVP at this point. First baseman Freddie Freeman leads the vote-getters for the Dodgers, followed by Pete Alonso, uh, Matt Olson third, Paul Goldschmidt fourth. There's no Philly on this list until you get down to number 10. 
Cody Clemens at number 10. It's time to start a write-in campaign for Cody Clemens. Get Cody to the All-Star game. Get caught to the All-Star game. Let's choice for code, we should call it. We get that get that rolling. Uh, among second basemen, you heard Joe mention that Bryson Stott maybe deserves an All-Star nod. He's currently 10th among National League second basemen in the voting right now. At third base, uh, there are uh, Alec Bohm is at number seven. Interesting Alec Bohm higher on the list at third base. Uh, then Bryson Stott is among second basemen at the moment, but uh, Alec Bohm ranking number seven right now. And among shortstops, Trey Turner, again, if he had been playing better, ordinarily would be a shoe-in here to make the all-star team, but currently ranks sixth among shortstops behind Dansby Swanson, Matt McLean of the Reds, uh, you have Xander Bogarts of the Padres, Francisco Lindor of the Mets, and Orlando Arcia of the Braves right now, the leading vote-getter at shortstop. So uh, that's your look right now at the National League All-Star vote. All right, we're going to take some mailbag questions here in just a second. But first, just have to quickly mention the New York Mets and what a mess that team is right now. Coming into the, the, the into their uh, Subway Series uh, game against the Yankees on Wednesday night, the Philly, the Mets were on quite the bender. One in nine in their last 10 games. Uh, on June 1st, remember, the Mets completed a three-game sweep of the Phillies. Here were their records after that three-game sweep. The Mets were 30 and 27. The Phillies had fallen to 25 and 31. The Phillies trailed the Mets in the standings by four and a half games. Today, two weeks later, the Phillies entered Wednesday 33 and 34, one game under 500. The Mets had fallen to 31 and 36. Again, they're one and nine in their last 10. They now trail the Phillies by two games in the standings. Again, the Phillies are in third, the Mets are in fourth, the Marlins still fig- somehow in second place. But the Phillies made up six and a half games in two weeks on the New York Mets. And it's not even just the fact that the Mets are losing. Weird stuff is going on. Mets reliever Drew Smith was ejected for using a sticky substance against the Yankees. He faces a 10-game suspension. Uh, the, 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 the Mets, in their game against the Yankees, committed two errors, allowed somebody to stole home, and then got called for their second shift violation of the season. You, you talk about, I remember Keith Hernandez saying last year, talking about the Phillies, how how badly they play defense. I, can't, I couldn't even watch this team. Um, you really you really do need to wonder if, if Keith Hernandez is going to be able to keep his job because I just don't know how he's going to be able to continue watching a Mets team that is playing this poorly. It, it really is remarkable just how badly the Mets are playing right now. Uh, you talk if the Phillies, if the Phillies have been a disappointment, and I think to this point they have been, although things are trending in the right direction, the Mets have been abysmal. I mean, I, the, only the Cardinals have been a bigger disappointment than the Mets so far this season. And the Padres are are trying to raise their hand and try and get in on the conversation, too. But uh, for, for right now, it, it's it's a horse race. But it, the Cardinals are by far and away the, the most disappointing team in the National League. But the Mets have spent $350 million on that payroll to be where they are at this stage in the season. Again, nobody is out of the playoff race at this point. But the Mets, the vibes are just brutal in New York. So uh, that's where things stand uh, with the New York mess right now. It is a hot mess. All right, let's uh, let's we we ask for people to 
uh, record some voice memos and email them into us with questions that you might have for a, a quickie mailbag. And we want to do this uh, on the regular. So uh, don't forget the email address, hittenseason at billypen.com. Anytime you've got a question, something you want to ask, you don't want to tweet it out, but you got a, you got a phone, you got a voice, you've got an app. Use them all together. Record a voice memo on your phone and email it to hittenseason at billypen.com. And we will try and get as many of these answered on, on the podcast as, as possible. It's a great way for you to interact with us on the show. It's a great for you, way for you to get your voice on the show and for us to be able to talk with you and answer some questions. So uh, the first one, we're going to take uh, a question from Larry on uh, Brandon Marsh and Bryson Stott. Do you think Topper is too analytical when it comes to his lineup? I think uh, Stott and Marsh should be everyday players against uh, righties and lefties with uh, an, just an occasional day off. What do you think, John? And thank you for the question. And I think uh, Bryson Stott has become an everyday player. He's hitting over 300. He's red hot right now in the month of June. There's no getting him out of the lineup. The question is, where do you hit him in the lineup? Uh, they had him, been hitting him, hitting him leadoff. Uh, for much of the season, I just didn't seem it didn't seem like that was the right place for him. It, se- it worked at first, but uh, he seems to be better in the middle of the order in the number six, number seven spot, because he really does work great at bats and he, he hits lefties and righties well. So I think you're I think you're on the right track here. I think Bryson Stott is going to play every day against left handers. He might get the occasional day off, but uh, pardon me against left handers. But I think he'll get the occasional day off. But for the most part, he's your everyday second baseman. I think I said shortstop before. He is your everyday second baseman and will continue to be that way. After a really hot start, Brandon Marsh has cooled off significantly. I do think he's a better option than than Dalton Guthrie. I would rather see Brandon Marsh stay in the lineup against left-handers. I do think they know what they're doing against certain left-handers, knowing that Brandon Marsh has a problem putting the bat on the ball. That being said, I do agree. I think sometimes Thompson is a little too analytical. He's too focused on the righty-lefty matchup. They do try to look at those things, though, and not be strictly righty-lefty. They will look at a pitcher's pitch plane and a hitter's swing plane. And even if it's lefty on lefty or righty on righty, if it matches up, or if they look at a pitcher's splits and they say, well, this pitcher is maybe a left-hander, but he struggles against left-handers and he's actually more effective against right-handers, that's kind of Connor Brogdon's deal, right? He's got that amazing changeup when it's really working well. A lot of times he's more effective against left-handers than he is against right-handers, even though he's a right-handed pitcher. So they take all that stuff into account. At the end of the day, I think Bryson Stott especially and Brandon Marsh mostly are everyday players, and they should be everyday players. But um, thank you for that question. And now let's uh, let's hear from another one. This is from Larry. Hey, guys. My question this week is, what do you think is the best path forward for the fifth starter position? Is it an internal candidate, or do we have to do something via trade? Thanks. Uh, and you heard Joe and I uh, talk about this uh, in our interview a, a couple minutes ago, so I won't delve into this too much more. But uh, as we mentioned, external candidates, there, there really aren't any external candidates out there that make a whole lot of sense. What you're hoping for is one of your internal guys start to pitch well, that Bailey Falter figures it out, that Chris Sanchez gets on a hot streak, that Mick Abel forces the Phillies hand to call him up. Griff McGarry forces the Phillies hand to to call him up. Uh, maybe there's a AAA guy someplace out there that is kind of someone that you could go out and target. But if that kind of pitcher was out there, 
they'd have already been traded or or the or the cost is too is too much and, and we talked about some of the the names who could be out there and the exorbitant prices you would have to pay for them they're simply not worth it so uh, like we talked about there a lot of teams are having the same issue as the Phillies there's a lot of demand not a lot of supply the price is way too high so you're just going to kind of have to go with with whatever it is that you've that you've got right now and that stinks because it it's 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 not effective and it's costing them games but uh, at this point, they've really been kind of forced into this position, and there's really not a whole lot else they can do about it. All right, last thing. This came via Twitter from Wendell Angelo. Now, Wendell is listening to us from Brazil, the country, you know, the one really far away from us. He says, hey, John, big fan of yours and the gang all the way from Brazil. Brazil. I have two questions. What team in the National League do you guys think would be the biggest hurdle for the Phillies to go through in the playoffs? And what arm would you add to the rotation or the bullpen at the deadline? Um, this I'll take the second part first. It's hard to know which arms are going to be available at, at the deadline. Again, you're looking for you're looking for teams that are in absolute sell mode. Okay, so there's just not a lot of those teams, especially in the National League right now. Um, if you're looking at the national, like Washington Nationals roster, um, you know, are they? Do they have guys that that you could move? I mean, I'm sure they would give you Patrick Corbin <laughs> if, if you wanted him. Uh, if I'm if I'm looking at uh, if I'm looking at starting pitchers, um, you know, but they just they don't have a whole lot else there that they would want to trade that you would want. Um, I think the St. Louis Cardinals are an interesting, an interesting team. Um, I, I think with, because they're so out of it, even though they have so many great players, this might just be a reset season for them. So can you get Jack Flaherty? From them, can you get you know would would Adam Wainwright be an improvement over what you have? I don't think they would trade. I don't think they would trade Miles Michaelis because um, they've signed him to a, a, a team friendly deal and he's still effective for them. They probably want to hold on to him. But if Miles Michaelis was made available, I would certainly try that. You know, there's some teams in the American League. Do you want anything Oakland has? Do you want anything Kansas City has? There's not a lot of pending free agents that that make a whole lot of sense, right? Julio Urias and Aaron Nola are the two big free agent names, but they're not getting traded. You're not trading for Shohei Otani uh, at the trade deadline here, even though he's going to be a free agent. There's just, it's just, there's just not a lot there. What, what you really need to hope for is Andrew Painter gets healthy, that he stays healthy during this rehab, that he pitches effectively during his rehab, and that he can come up and he can be a bolt of lightning in the, in the starting rotation, or that Griff McGarry or Mick Abel can be that or that Billy Falter figures it out. Um, so I certainly would look at the starting rotation. I think we still need to let things play out for another few weeks and see how how do the Reds look in another month? How do the Cubs look in another month? Some of these central teams in both of these leagues, nobody's running away with those divisions. So even though the Tigers are awful, and I don't think the Tigers have anybody you would want anyway, they're still technically in the mix. There, there's no reason for any of those teams to sell. Um to answer your first question here, Wendell, what team, I think, you know, the biggest hurdle is the Braves. I, I think the Braves are the cream of the National League right now. I think they're the best team in the National League. The Diamondbacks have the second best record, but the Phillies are playing them very tough here in Arizona. Um, I, I don't think this Arizona team will end up winning the National League West, but we saw the Dodgers come through and they threw two bullpen games at the Phillies. So they're having starting pitching, pitching issues. And the other teams that are kind of, in playoff positions right now, teams like the Pirates and the Marlins, I'm just, I don't, I don't believe in them. 
And the Giants are ahead of the Phillies right now. They're not in the playoff picture just yet. They're on the outside looking in, but I don't believe in them either. I don't really believe in the Milwaukee Brewers. It's the Braves, right? When the Braves are fully healthy, they've got the best starting rotation. They've got a lineup that just destroys the baseball. They are so hard to play against. They're so hard to pitch against. If the Phillies can get them in another short series and series and steal a game on the road, the Phillies really do handle the Braves very well at Citizens Bank Park. And so, um, again, we'll see when they come into Citizens Bank Park in a couple of weeks or in the next week or so how the Phillies end up doing there. But that's the team that you don't want to face in the playoffs. And even though they handled them last year, it's a dicey proposition to ask them to do it again, especially because Atlanta will want to have that payback. But good question. I think it's clearly the Atlanta Braves at this point. All right, time for your stat of the week as we wrap up this edition of Hit and Season. And it's a JT Rail Muto cycle stat of the week, of course. All of you know by now that Real Muto became the ninth player in Philly's history to hit for the cycle and the first since David Bell against the Expos at Citizens Bank Park in the inaugural season of that of that stadium back in 2004. It was the 16th time since 1901 that a player hit for the cycle while in the lineup at catcher. Real Muto the first to do it since Milwaukee's George Cotteris did it in 2011. Now, the Phillies did lose that game. Again, that's the that's the 9-8 game that they lost. And teams were 21. This is such a bizarre stat. This is from OptiStats at OptiStats. Teams were 21-0 in baseball history when they had a player hit for the cycle, walk, score three runs, and drive in three runs in the same game. They are now 21-1. and Teams typically don't lose games when their players do stuff like JT Realmuto did in that game. And now, in his career, JT Realmuto of the Phillies has homered in the All-Star game in 2021, hit an inside-the-park home run in the playoffs in 2022, and hit for this cycle in 2023. Only one other player in baseball history has accomplished all three of those feats, Lou Gehrig. Weird stat, but that's why it is your stat of the week. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. My thanks once again to Joe Ettinger for hopping on and joining me on the podcast. And want to remind you to check out the Hit and Season Patreon, as I do at the end of every show, because we've got so much great stuff on there. And you want to stop, you want to make sure that you listen to the latest episode of Absolutely Hammered, as Justin Clue is joined by the birthday boy, Chris Jones, uh, for a very special episode of that podcast. And of course, uh, there's a little bit of a hiatus for the dirty inning, but there's so many great classic episodes on the Hit and Season Patreon that you can listen to. Go to patreon.com slash hit and season to catch all of that stuff and sign up on one of the tiers and you won't miss a thing at the Hit and Season Patreon. Want to also make sure you are checking out billypen.com each and every day. They cover the city of Philadelphia like no one else and you can find the Hit and Season podcasts. That's our home. That's where we are. billypen.com slash hit and season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hitting Season. 